The following content is for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as legal or tax advice, nor is a recommendation related to your specific situation. All concepts presented should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered through Veracity Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Capital Conversations, presented by Veracity Capital, a podcast talking money, speaking truth. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Capital Conversations podcast. My name is Charles Crowley. I'm a wealth advisor here at Veracity Capital in Atlanta, Georgia. And today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Kevin Boutwell and Mike Colopy to talk a little politics. And today we're specifically going to talk a little bit more about how this political season and the midterm elections might impact the markets and the economy moving forward. But given that that's a bit of a high-level statement, Kevin, why don't you walk our listeners through specifically what we are going to cover in today's conversation? So the three main points today, we'll talk about what the markets will be digesting in October and November. Certainly a lot of information going back and forth out there that everybody's been seeing. And then we'll talk about what does history tell us about midterm elections? And then lastly, what really should people do or not do to weather the impact of the election cycle uncertainty? And hopefully we can give some of our listeners some tips to deal with that. Thanks, Kevin, for that summary. And I'll kick us off today by giving our listeners a pretty high-level overview of what we see currently in Washington in terms of the balance of power and what might be at stake come early November. To start with the House, there are 435 seats, all of which are up for re-election. The Democrats currently hold on to a 220 to 212 majority with three vacancies previously held by Jackie Lewarski, Charlie Crist, and Ted Deutsch. Either party needs to have a 218-seat majority in order to have the balance of power in their favor in the House of Representatives, so the Republicans, based on these numbers, technically need to pick up six seats in November. The Senate is a little bit different. There's currently, of the 100 seats, a 50-50 split, with Vice President Harris being the tiebreaker. There are 35 seats up for re-election in November, 21 currently held by Republicans, 14 currently held by Democrats. And of those races, there are currently eight toss-ups in the states of Arizona, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Of those toss-up races, there's an even split there as well. Four Republicans, four Democrats currently holding those positions. So the Republicans technically only need to pick up one seat in order to flip the balance of power in the Senate. In addition, if there wasn't enough going on in these congressional races, 36 states are also going to potentially be electing a new governor. 18 of those 36 gubernatorial races are not really slam dunks. Uh, Five are also considered toss-ups, and they are in the states of Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So all that to say, there's a lot of uncertainty leading up into November, and these numbers really indicate that there's likely to be a high level of activity come November at the polls. So let's take a look back in history, going all the way back to World War II, to really talk about how the presidential approval rating can really impact these midterm election results. So going back to World War II, in the House of Representatives, the presidential party lost seats in 17 of 19 cycles by an average of 27 seats. 
If we focus only on the last four decades, the average seats loss was about 23, but still a pretty large margin. In the Senate, slightly different. Again, 13 of 19 cycles, the presidential party lost seats, and that was by an average of about three to four seats. So again, there we can see the statistics pointing to the presidential approval rating, even at this point, impacting potentially the results also indicating that there could be some uncertainty leading into November and would indicate that there's likely to be a high level of activity at the polls when voting commences. The first thing I'll say as we relate this to markets, right? When we look at equity growth over the years, we're seeing U.S. markets growing at 8 to 10%. And I think that's a need to know sort of statistic, right? Because it's very easy to get caught up in the headlines, in the volatility of the market and thinking that we can maybe be more clever or cute than we we should be in some ways in trying to play midterm election years. But at the end of the day, regardless of what parties are in, in place, we see very strong equity returns over long business cycles, right? So I'll start with that. And now let's get into a little bit more of the fun data. When we look at midterm election years, Heading into October, U.S. equity markets are up about 1% on average. In non-midterm election years, rolling into October, U.S. equity markets are up about 7%, right? So you could look at data and try to say there's some coincidences and whatnot, but that would be a huge coincidence, right? We're going back to the 1930s, looking at this data and saying midterm election years underperform by 6% leading into the election season. So I I think you pointed it out. Uncertainty leads to angst in the markets. It creates volatility. What I also believe is that there's much more at play in the markets this year, right? So I'll focus more on the markets with my commentary. We're seeing the Fed raising interest rates. We're seeing these challenges in Europe and China and supply chains, right? So we're, we're having a bad midterm election here, right? Is it just the political scene? Oh, absolutely not. But it really does feel like that's fuel on the fire. So, Mike, let's ferret that point out a little bit further, because I think you raised something very interesting about what we are currently seeing in the markets in the economy versus what historically we've seen in midterm election years and how that might impact the markets in the economy. The most unique factor of today's market and economic circumstances is the concept of inflation and what the Fed is doing to fight inflation. That has obviously raised a lot of conversation about the potential for recession, uh, especially in 2023. So how do you think the midterm elections play into some of the, t- the decisions being made about the markets and the economy? Uh, and, and how do you think that that differs from what we've seen in history, I guess, more normal midterm election cycles? It certainly helps party stances, right? There's a lot of headlines for them to draw on, a lot of emotional triggers that parties can use to try to sway voters to show up to the polls to to actually vote, right? You know, again, I try to look at this from a very big picture standpoint. There was one interesting stat I saw which showed that when a party loses control of the House, equity returns over the next 12 months are actually pretty muted. When they maintain control, 
pretty strong, right? There was a there was a gap between those sorts of returns in the markets. And when there is a change in party, it's a sign that maybe the economy is not doing so well. People are voting differently. There's a shift. And then it takes some time for the economy to regain its footing, regain traction, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. the turnover and change in party, at least according to the markets, has led to a further slow go of uh, returns. The markets, at least as we sit here today, U.S. equity markets, S&Ps down around 23, 24% from its highs. NASDAQ's down about 36% from its highs, right? And uh, I like to think about markets a little bit longer term. And for me, a lot of this is creating an opportunity, right? For dollar cost averagers and, and people that are adding capital. I think, you know, what you, you also need to be doing is uh, thinking about your liquidity, right? And we talked to everyone about this. This environment from a macroeconomic standpoint, from a political standpoint, this could continue on and we could see lower returns and have a tough market for another 12 plus months. So you, you know, if you're one of those people that's depending on your portfolio, you don't want to leave it up to politics. You don't want to leave it up to the polls and debates. You need to make sure you have liquidity set aside and and not be forecasting or looking necessarily at how markets have done after an election to position, right? So I think it depends if you're a, a, an accumulator or you're a distributor at this point, but absolutely, you know, there's some opportunities that are that are here just uh, being so far off from market highs. So I think the thing to point out here is the the Fed is really the entity right now, you know, in charge of battling inflation. The Fed chairman, Chairman Powell, was put in place by President Trump. He was kept in place by President Biden. This is a presidential appointment. This is not something that is going to change necessarily or at all by the congressional midterm elections. The the Fed's not going to change. So the policies that we see playing out right now from a markets and economy standpoint, uh, raising rates to fight inflation, that's not likely to change much based on the elections. If anything, it's going to be based more on the, the economic fundamentals. That's absolutely right. The the Fed is supposed to be an independent entity able to make decisions to, you know, positively impact employment and inflation, right? They're, that's their job, employment and inflation to, to keep very effective levels. And that's not going to change, right? They're looking at inflation data. So can policy impact inflation data? Yes, potentially, right? It, it could. But the Fed is waiting to see better data to slow their raising rates, to lower rates, whatever it may be. So they're very independent from one another, at least in in my opinion. So you can see uh, a change in political parties here, but that doesn't necessarily mean the markets are going to shift gears overnight. Kevin, one of the things that that we've talked about at length, especially as of late, is the difference between policy and politics and really what drives long-term economic activity or the market trends long-term is more policy rather than politics. We think back to some of the recent legislation that has certainly caused uh, a lot of conversation when it comes to the markets and the economy, things like the Inflation Reduction Act, things like the federal deficit and spending. How do you really think about the policy versus the politics as it relates to the markets and the economy and certainly as the as you think about the conversations you're having with clients? Well, I, I think it's good that you're you're kind of defining what politics are. So in our context, politics are that, right? The ads, the the event of certain parties trying to get votes to establish their 
their thoughts and to try to gain share of voters and things of that. That's politics. Policy is more of what gets in place, right, from the elected officials. And so what you're right, what, what drives the long-term markets are going to be how those policies play out. And I think different parties and different people have different opinions of what policies are the best for our country, what policies are going to have this or that outcome. But for sure, the policies are going to drive uh, the economy. The markets are driven by the economy in the long term. In the short term, politics, the media, the the energy that's out there, the emotions are, are drive this uncertainty in the markets. And so you've just got to be aware of that and careful, uh, patient. But a lot of what you, I mean, you know, there's a lot of emotional charge uh, at, during these types of seasons. And so the media, of course, knows that. Of course, they have their own perspective and their own context to put things and frame things. So you've got all these different people with their already opinions and fears, if you will, and they can just get magnified by the media that's kind of, you know, playing to their, their thoughts already. So got to be just really careful with that. But at the end of the day, you know, certainly in our world with the investment world and markets, you have monetary policy and fiscal policy. Okay. Monetary policy is the U.S. Treasury and the U.S. Central Bank. Okay. So they're going to set monetary policy that can drive things like the Inflation Reduction Act, right? The fiscal policy is really our elected officials, Congress, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. So they can drive how much we want to spend, things of that nature. And both of those uh, play a lot into how the economy reacts. And of course, the, the market um, is a derivative of that and how it reacts in the future. But long term, there is no evidence of which party is driving better returns. So, you know, and that's overwhelming evidence that it really doesn't matter long-term which party is in office. But on the other side, you could say that, but no party's really been in office for an extended, we're not, you know, decades and decades, right? So there's really no, there's no history to show that any one party is, is makes the markets better off or, or rather the economy better off. Kevin, with so much emotion and subjectivity built into this season that we're seeing related to politics and related to the elections, how would you summarize what we often encourage our clients to do or not to do as it relates to you know some of these concepts that do entice a lot of emotion? Don't let how you feel about politics and, and certainly the people in politics impact how you feel about investing. Don't let them, you know, impact how you feel about your long-term financial plan when it, a lot of this is really kind of short-term politicking. And you've said this before, Charles, and I, and I use political opinions aren't investment strategies. It's okay to have a political opinion. We all, the three of us have our own political opinions, of course. but we don't let it affect the way we would execute our financial plan and certainly our investment strategies. You know, if you want to express your opinions, do that at the polls, right? Uh, maybe not at Thanksgiving dinner, but, on, but but maybe, you know, you could express that with people as you're thinking through things. Patience is going to be key. There's a lots of volatility out there. Be patient with how a lot of this plays out. Okay. So you got your emotions on one side of it, and then you've got your kind of desire to want to go ahead and make a, make a change. Be careful. Be patient. You're probably already on a long-term strategy. Try to stick with that unless you see something that that really changes your goals and things of that nature and objectives. But just be very careful with uh, reacting to something that may just be very short-term in nature. And then keep in mind, you know, the economy has grown and the market's been resilient regardless of party control. 
Mike, as final thoughts go, what would you add to what Kevin just laid out for our listeners? Kevin hit all the uh, points I would normally make. I believe that the U.S. equity system is set up for success. And those who have a bad experience or find failure is generally due to not having liquidity when they need the liquidity, right? So I think when we're approaching a political season, uh, we're approaching a recession, volatility of any sort, you know, it's really about making good decisions, not making emotional knee-jerky decisions, um, really staying invested, adding more if you can, and sticking to the fundamentals. I think this is a, a time we see emotions running high, and usually those who are making emotional investment decisions uh, end up making the wrong decisions. So that brings today's discussion to a close. Hopefully that was helpful for you. And certainly we don't want to spend too much time on politics for all of our sanity. But hopefully, again, that was an interesting and helpful conversation as you look ahead towards November and how that might impact the markets, the economy, and certainly your investment portfolio. Uh, if you can, do a couple of things for us ahead of our next episode. Certainly go out and connect with our team. We are active on social media, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Please connect with our team and, and follow along with us as we continue to produce content on all of those channels. Uh, certainly go and subscribe to the show. We would love for you to follow along with us, submit uh, topics that you would like for us to discuss, and certainly follow up with us if you have any questions on today's conversation or prior conversations. Outside of that, uh, again, be on the lookout for additional episodes dropping here in the very near future, uh, and we certainly hope that you continue to follow along with us on the Capital Conversations podcast. Mm-hmm.